0: Hey, great. That is, uh, isn't that great? Isn't that the kind of song you need to kind of get your Sunday morning going, huh? Um, so what's the deal on that? I mean, am I exaggerating? Am I being unfair? Am I, am I stretching the text? I don't think so. I'm going to show you a, I'm going to show you a lot of Scripture today that, that talks about this very issue. Of desperate for hilarity, as I call it, or hilarity. Um, Addison put it this way, Man is distinguished from all other creatures by the faculty of laughter. I think that's kind of cool when you think about that. Just so you'll know, for my purposes this morning, I'm using, and I know the definitions and i looked at them very closely online and everything else, so I understand the difference. But for our purposes, teaching purposes and so forth, I'm using the word joy and fun and hilarity um, as synonyms just for our purposes here this morning. I understand the difference. Um, Certainly, joy is an attitude, and, 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 and fun is the result, in the right context, of course. So I really got three things I want to show you, just very simple, very straightforward, and uh, we'll look at them and, and just see what happens. All right. First thing is this, whatever happened to fun, whatever happened to joy? Now I'm using this in the context in the of what we're talking about here, with the people of faith, whether or not Necessarily, you consider yourself one of those, or not that 's okay. Just track with us here for a moment. Whatever happened to fun and joy and and how in the world did, did church and and this thing we call you know follow being a follower of Christ or being a Christian or, or whatever how in the world did the two get separated? because certainly we read the scriptures uh, that 's not the case at all and and so, how did it all get lost and obviously there 's two or three answers to that one would be. Just we get drugged down in the rigors of life. You know, you you go through history and you see people at times just trying to survive. Now, granted, most of us here, if not all of us, aren't just necessarily trying to survive in a sense physically. But many times we are emotionally and spiritually just trying to get by, just trying to survive. Trying to have some semblance of mental health. And uh, sometimes we kind of border on not. So that—that's in one case what happens. Um, the other thing that I think really happened, because you have to recognize when you look at history, particularly Western history, so much of what we know as civilization and lifestyle has been taught, rightly or wrongly, by the church. Even as you go back, to, you know, through the Middle Ages, you go through the Victorian era, the the, the Puritan era. So much of what of what is taught in terms of moral value and, and real values or what we call the church. Um, uh, and whether that's, whether you like that or not, just the way it has been. And this is one of the things where I believe the church since about, best I can tell, 350, 400 B.C. or A.D. Um, really started failing to do this thing. Now, is that a coincidence that it was around 400, or or shortly after 400 AD that the church really began to get a little more organized and we began to get a little more structure to it, and and uh, and, and in some cases, and as, as as time progresses, and this isn't a this isn't a lecture on church history, although I love talking about history and I love the the, the teaching of the church, the history of the church, but the church became more and more controlling, became more and more. Concerned about the the end as opposed to the means, building basilicas and 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 structures and nothing wrong with structures, nothing wrong with basilicas, nothing wrong with them at all. It just depends on at whose expense, if it's an expense. Um, became more became less concerned about teaching freedom. You know one of the one of the great misnomers of, of church today and I don't necessarily think we're the only one that does it, but it doesn't happen in a lot of places, uh, is this whole thing on freedom. A lot of people don't know about freedom. I don't mean just freedom in terms of our country. I mean freedom freedom, and knowing what it means to have a relationship with God, and there's freedom in that. And it's not just about a bunch of do's and don'ts. That started happening, Middle Ages, and of course Victorians and the Puritans did not do us any favors at all in that area. So when you start limiting freedom, you start limiting people's ability to just really enjoy and, 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 and have fun. Um, I believe the message of grace got polluted in that whole process, as I understand it. It got really polluted because then it became a matter of, here's the deal. If I have to do this and do this and do this and not do this and not do, in order to have my eternal destiny sealed with God, I'm not going to be concerned about enjoying life. I'm going to be concerned about keeping the rules. And too many times that has been a part of what this thing called the church does. And people of faith do. And again, certainly, I, th- I believe we need standards and we need principles, and the Scripture teaches those. But it also teaches a tremendous amount of freedom and individual choice and so forth. Um, you know, and it's just been a, it's been, a neglected, it's been a neglected individual value for years and years and years. It's not so much, though, so that way today, although the things that we often associate with fun may not necessarily be the things that the Scriptures might refer to as being joyful or fun. Um, I used to have a friend who used to say this. He said, Being a follower of Christ is so good because it's one of the few things, one of the few times when you can really have fun with people and not have a bitter taste in your mouth the next morning. And he wasn't just talking about sort of having a hangover, he was just talking about some of the things that we sometimes associate with fun. Oh, we have fun we 're going to party, and many times that has connotations that that might involve uh, morality or the lack of morality or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think it 's interesting for instance, and i 'm not here to just uh, well why not I, I started to say i 'm not here just to to promote the values of Renaissance, but uh, uh, one of the, one of our key values you see it in your program every every week if you look at it, we go through the values of what what Renaissance is one of them says this. Energizing fun, we believe that life with God produces joy, thus we are committed to having fun together. It's kind of attractive to me when I was looking at things and looking around. You don't see that very often, and uh, uh, obviously we're not the only ones that do that, but I, I'm so glad that we're we're one who does. listen, joy is an attitude fun is a result, okay, and we need to understand that now, what happened to it we can we can make all kinds of theories and conjectures, and I, by the way, I, I, I googled a number, I spent a, a lot of time doing this, uh, put, putting down fun and the church, laughter in the church, the church and laughter, I did all kinds of different, different variations of that, it, it was, it was uh, I didn't get too much, And some of the things I got I didn't need either, but I mean, uh, um, it was, it, it, there's just not much there, this book has yet to be written, hmm, okay, so it's just, there's just not a lot about that. And, and, and being a follower of Christ. Here's what I want you to see. Second thing, the Bible endorses fun. I want you to see this. I love, I love the scriptures and the teachings of the scriptures. I just want to show you a few. Ecclesiastes puts it this way. Go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. Wow. Show that to the Baptist. Um, any, no, anyway. for it is, Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, that is just so ugly. I'm I'm. I was raised in the Baptist church where if you even looked at wine, you were going straight to hell and you won't pass the goal. But anyway, <laughs> drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now, it is now that God favors what you do. Now. I emphasize that word now. God's concerned about the present. You say, well, I mean, let me just keep reading here. Look in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. You must, look, watch, this, this is about giving. This is cool. You must, <clears throat> you must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. He's talking about money. It's interesting, isn't it? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. What? It's in the Bible? It's right there, baby, right there. Look at this. For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. You know what the Greek root word for cheerful is? It's hilarious. God loves the one who gives hilariously. God even involves the whole thing of, of church and, and giving and, and being a follower of, of a lover of God, a follower of Christ, you know, this is really a cool thing. This is, a, enjoy, this is There's joy involved in this. There's hilarity involved in this, even in giving. You say, well, I thought I gave because if I didn't, this was going to happen or that was going to happen. And oftentimes we, we hear that said and we hear all kinds of obligation. And, and obviously, you know, you know one of the reasons, and there are many, but one of the reasons we don't take an offering here is because we don't want people to give just out of obligation or just because they think they have to. Don't misunderstand. Doesn't mean we don't need give. Doesn't mean we don't need giving. We do, but we really do want you to give with the right attitude, right? And 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 you know that's a simple thing to do. And we hope you, when you give, and you, and it'll be will be regular and it'll be a lot, but it will be with, man, this is great. I want to give to this. This is this is this is where I need to invest. And uh, and, and and God says that should be that's a that should be a fun thing. And I think about that the things that I do that are fun that cost money. You know, we were talking. I was talking with my my, one of my my friends, who's sort of my Yankee compatriot. We were talking about how many Yankee games we're going to go to this year. I'm sorry for you Mets fans. Well, I'm just sorry for you Mets fans. But anyway, no, no, (laughs) that's ugly. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, But we're talking about that. You know what? I will gladly shell over my 50 or 60 or 80 or whatever it is. Hey, here it is. I'm excited about this giving. Why? So I can watch A-Rod make another, you know, you know, fumble the ball again, you know, or whatever. Anyway, no, that's, that's the playoffs. Anyway, uh, you know, make errors. Uh, no, why? Because I love baseball. I love, love the Yankees. So I, I think that's kind of the connotation here. Obviously, we're about things here that are much more important. So, so God loves a person he gives hilariously. Now watch this, John 10, verse 10. This is, this, is, uh, this is Jesus talking. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came, this is Jesus, I came that they might have, watch this, and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. This is really big stuff. You know, and, and so many times we get the idea, and I'm going to talk more about this in just a moment, we get the idea that Jesus is one of these somber, sourpuss professors that walk around, oh, bless you, bless you, bless you. It wasn't Jesus. A friend of mine said recently, I wish we had videotape. I do too. I'll talk more about that in just a moment because I think we'd see something. Let me just give you a real quick words today. I did some, just some quick words. Uh, computers make this marvelous. If I tried to do this a few years ago, it would have taken me forever. Uh, but I just started doing, running some words through my uh, Bible program in my computer. In the Old Testament, the word "joyful" is used 145 times, and the word "joy" is used 170 times. That's an Old and New Testament 315 times total. Okay, now let me give you some comparisons to that. 315 times the word "joy" or "joyful" is used. Hope is used 132 times. That's pretty good. Hell, how many times do you think hell is used? 13 times. Peace is used, that's a big theme in the scriptures, peace, 333 times, slightly more than the 315. My point is, this is important in the scriptures, and somehow we we don't grab that truth. I want to talk about Jesus now, I started on this moment ago, I want to talk about Jesus' character, because Jesus' character as, as, as we understand the scripture and it's it's pretty clear really. It's not just it's not open just for my interpretation. It's pretty clear. Jesus' character was really ever was really characterized by two things. Love and joy. We know that throughout the scriptures he talks about that. He talks about the most important command is what? To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the third thing that I want you to see. Jesus was the perfect balance of love, of joy, of fun, and seriousness. This is why Jesus was, as you know, the son of God. He was also 100% God, 100% human, and he was perfect. And he had the perfect balance. Many of us, if we were to go around here, many of us, some of us, Always looking for a good time, having fun. We kind of overbalance that sometimes. Sometimes we get carried away. I've done that more than once. The other side of that are people who are very serious-minded. You know, and no matter what, you, they need to lighten up. And no matter what you say about them, they won't laugh unless there's an earthquake. And that's not out of fun. I mean, it takes that much to make them have a smile. We know people like that. We have a tendency as humans to kind of be overbalanced one way or the other. Jesus was the perfect balance, and I, I want you to see this because this, and, and one of these, one of these is, is, is the passage that I just read to you from John ten ten. Look at it again. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have, that they may have, and enjoy life, and have it in its abundance to its full till it overflows. Jesus was the perfect balance of this. That, oh, by the way, is a key verse in my life. It was one of the one of the verses, having been raised in a church where there wasn't a lot of joy and there wasn't a lot of fun, and it was almost a dirty word and I, I'm serious, it really was um, when I first was reading in the New Testament and ran across this verse, it was one of those one of those ver- words that almost you know reverberates back and forth in your mind. "I came that you might have life and have it to its full and I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. Wow. This is one of the key, one of the key things that, that that God used in my life, so to speak. Um, I like uh, Luke chapter 7. Watch, look what happens here. This is Jesus talking again. And I, the son of man, feast and drink. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of the worst sort of sinners. I mean, even even then, Jesus is getting criticisms from those who supposedly were the religious people. Saying, look at this guy. He parties with some of these people who aren't. Uh... Now, keep in mind, Jesus never sinned. Never sinned. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews. He was tempted in all ways, but never once sinned. But yet he knew how to have a good time. Most of us, all of us, at times, go a step too far. And that's where we need to ask God to help us and so forth. But Jesus never did. As my friend, I mentioned a moment ago, my friend said to me recently, I wish they'd had videotape. Because we, just think about these things. And I, I remember seeing the spot, and and where Jesus fed the 5,000. We know that story. And and, uh, the little kid came to him with just, you know, a couple of fishes and some loaves. And and, and and Jesus said, we must give him something to eat. Now, here's how I kind of picture that in my mind. I I have Jesus going on, you know, because he's a fun guy. Listen, Jesus isn't going to get the kind of following that he had at that time by going around going, oh, bless you, bless you, bless you. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are the. He's not. No, I mean, everybody's going to say this guy's too heavy for me. He's the perfect balance. Hey, let's have a good time. Let's talk about things that matter. Perfect balance between love and joy and fun and seriousness. Feeding of the five thousand. I can see him doing that right now, and they're saying, "Hey, hey Jesus, we don't. There's five thousand people here close to it, and we got a couple of fishes and a couple of loaves. What are we going to do with this?" And you can just see Jesus, just pass him out. Just pass him out. And you can see, you know, Peter and some of those guys, you're crazy. You know, what have you been smoking? Just pass him out. Just pass him out. And you see a smile on his face knowing what he's going to do without ever saying. I mean, I, I don't think it was one of these things. Uh, it's just, it just, <laughs> go ahead, Peter, pass it out, you know. Thinking in his mind, you don't quite yet figure out who you're dealing with. I'm God. Another passage. I like this passage because I've been to this place too. And I, 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 um, it made an impression on me that this, this place in Jericho, which is a little south of, uh, of Jerusalem. And, they, and Oh, let me just read it to you. I've got it here for you in the text. Watch this. This is uh, Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus. This is the guy with the first short man's complex, but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from a tree there. Now, we, they have what they say is the sycamore tree still there. It's one of the few places they haven't built some stinking church on. And, they don't, and I don't mean that in an ugly way, but so many times they, they, on these quote-unquote sacred sites in Israel, if you've been there, you've seen this, they build these ridiculously either Roman Catholic or Greek Orthodox churches on top of them. And they have a huge, uh, one Greek Orthodox priest told me they have a big rivalry there as to who has the most religious icons. So I said, who's winning? He said, we are. I said, that's great, man. And, uh, but but they, this is one of the few places they don't have some sort of church over. So you can walk by and you can really see traditional, at least, the site that they believe was a sycamore tree. And it's really a cool tree. It's one of those, what I, when I was a kid, they called a a, a a good climbing tree because fairly low. It's got some big, huge branches that come out. And you could climb up fairly high pretty easily. So you wouldn't have to be a real athlete or whatever else or a great tree climber. So it's kind of neat. And I just sort of pictured in my mind what it must have been like in that little course, now it's a paved street, but walk, Jesus walking with people all around him down that street, and, and, uh, and, and Zacchaeus wanted to see him, and he can't see him, and, you know, he's trying to, you know, like we do sometimes, jumping up, and he just finally climbs up the tree. Now, watch this. When Jesus came by, and this is, how, this is how I believe it happened. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be the guest in your home today. This is, this is a joyful thing. This is a fun thing. He so say, how do you know that? Look what it says. Zacchaeus like quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were not happy. They were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They, I can hear these people. You know, they've been in a few churches I've been in. Um, well, who's hanging out with now? He's out at the bar Friday night. What was his problem? That's why... It, it really was much nicer than a bar, just for the record, okay? But um, I'm downplaying it. It was a beautiful place. But I mean, this is, the, this, is the, this is the accusations the religious people are having against Jesus. And, you know, and, and look at this. Look what, look what happens. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, verse 8 Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I've overcharged people, (laughs) that's all they did, okay, in in this day. The tax collector, it was a license to steal, basically. If I've overcharged people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, and I think it was like this, salvation has come to this home today. For this guy has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. Don't pigeonhole Jesus into some serious-minded guy that doesn't doesn't, and did not understand fun. And that's part of the issue here. Not only in my relationship with God, but I want to tell you something. Your homes, and that's really our our theme here, are they a place of fun? Is the mealtime whenever you can have it? A place of enjoyment? Is it always chastising and where were you and what's going on and how come? I mean, that's the issue here. If we're going to be Christ-like in every manner, don't miss this one. He just wasn't out to get people or to check up on people. He was there to say, listen, this is life. Let's enjoy it. That's why he came. He tells us that in John 10. How do we miss that? How do we miss that? I don't know. i got to quote Chesterton because look what he says. If I can put one touch of rosy sunset into the life of any man or woman, I shall feel that I have worked with God. That's pretty good. If I can just be a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of light, a spark of fun, of enjoyment in a life that, desperately needs it then and now I believe that I've done the work of God I want, to, I want to close with this last verse That, well it's a great verse it's from Ecclesiastes the Old Testament Solomon wrote this goes through all the stuff that you can do that didn't that didn't pay off I mean he went through everything wine, women, and song literally and figuratively And look what he said. So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with the hard work that God gives them. Nothing wrong with fun in the right context. Nothing wrong with fun and enjoyment in life. And I would ask you this. Number one, I know we have different personalities, and I'm not trying to say you have to change your personality or, or anything like that. But the number one thing I would say, first of all, for you as an individual, are you one of those people that people enjoy being around? And it, 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 whether it's the word fun or whether it's the word enjoyment or whether, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing is the next step. How about my home? Is that a fun place? Am I building memories for my kids when they leave that they're going to, and, and, you, and you need to, and I know, When you're at my place in life, you think about that. And wherever you are, you need to be thinking about that. Are they going to leave home and they're going to say, gosh, we had fun. We had a good time. We had meaningful times. We had serious times. We had some tough times, but we had fun. That's part of the issue. and That's part of what it means. And I'll tell you what, in the right context, and please don't miss this, and in the right way, that should be a part of all of our homes. And I really believe it has to come from God in the right way. And when one truly has a relationship with God, and one truly knows what it means to walk in, through life in this, in this constant thing of understanding who God is and what He means in my life, and having those, whether that be conversations or prayer or, or thoughts or whatever it might be, I believe that He will give us that ability to be, in our personalities, in our ways, however that works, people who are fun because that's what's going to attract our kids to whatever is our values are and others not just our serious teaching but who we are jesus said it best i've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest extent let's pray about that guys come on up man come on up and pray and play for us in a moment let me pray god Thank you so much for these things. Thank you, Lord, that such an important element of life that really gives it spice, that really gives us enjoyment, is not excluded from the teachings of the Scriptures. Lord, some of us here haven't had fun in a long time because of issues that we're having to deal with and just the the rigors of life and some of the things that we have to deal with. God, I pray that we'd be able to to just give that to you and say, God, help me with that. But help it not to change me into a person who doesn't enjoy and, re- and reflect the enjoyment of life. God, I pray that for each one of us. And of course, we know, God, that this can only come in a relationship with our, with our Lord Jesus. You who came and lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us not just eternal life with you, but abundant life as well. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.